0: If you're thinking of buying a block of land and building your own home, you need to listen to this episode because we have an expert here to tell us about the pitfalls that you'll need to avoid. Welcome to Your First Home Buyer Guide, the podcast for first home buyers who want to get it right. I'm Megan and that was Veronica. We're both buyers, agents and probably old enough to be your mums, but that's a good thing because between us, we've got over 40 years experience and we are going to share with you... Bucket loads of stories about avoidable mistakes. Together, we're going to make sure that you get unbiased and real information that you can rely on so you can get where you want to be without missing a step.
1: Now, we've got loads of great tips for you in this episode, and if you'd like more useful tools, head over to the website. HomebuyerAcademy.com.au. There you'll find free checklists that you can download, a free mini course on how to price a property, and our where to buy a workshop for only $39.
0: Priceless stuff, really. Bargain. But before we get into the interesting stuff in this week's episode, here's the boring bit, the disclaimer. You of course know that nothing in this podcast is to be taken as personal advice. We always recommend getting the advice of an expert in their field of expertise. Now, we've done our very best to ensure that the content is correct at the time of recording, but things change. So check with the relevant government authority or your advisors to get the most up-to-date information.
1: Today we're talking about building a home from scratch, and even though regular listeners will know that we're not fans of house and land packages, we also know that many of you will be attracted to brand new, so we want to make sure that you're well informed before you go down that path. But before we do that, Megan, in the video behind her, has this picture of a house, which is... And it's mine
0: again! Well, it's going to be brand (laughs) new when it's finished, but it's a renovation rather than a new build. Yeah. What's happening? Oh, look, it's going really well, actually, uh, on on track and on budget so far. So that's good. That's been a lot of uh, time and effort as we talk about. You know, you have to be involved. You have to keep cracking the whip and make things stay on track. Uh, so we're just about at lock-up. This was about uh, – this was Monday and today's Wednesday. So we're two days down the track now. There's windows and doors up the top and they're cladding up top. So progressing quite well. This is the back of the house. So exciting. <laughs>
1: Love it. Come to shape. So oh, I can't wonderful. wait to take
0: you all for a tour. Woo-hoo!
1: All right. Well, we're joined today by a new home specialist, Carrie ann Hooper. And Carrie ann works with her clients from the start of the building process until handover. So that's advising on everything from interior design choices, budgets, improvements to plans to suit family needs, et cetera, et cetera, to dealing with builders. So thank you for joining us, Kerri-Ann, and we're going to ask you a bunch of questions and we want you to really show us all the scary things and all the misinformation so that our listeners can avoid those common traps. But tell us first, how did you get into this line of work?
2: Yeah, I've always loved building. So um, my parents had real estate agents when I was young, so my first job was, I think, about 15, 16 as a uh, real estate secretary um, so, yeah, so i always been around building, whether it's been with Slate and Tile Place. remember Slate. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so my parents own that, um, yeah, real estate agents, um, and they actually own a building couple too. Uh, and then, um, yeah, so even when my kids were little, I was involved somehow with building and then got to 40 and thought, I've got to do something for myself. Uh, I hate people telling me what to do <laughs> in a novel night to five. And I wanted to yeah, make something of myself. So I started the business. With my sister, we sort of split the business in two after a few um, years. She sort of took a property management side and I'm um, stuck with the building. And yeah, so that's been 12 years this year. So you're not a builder. Let, let's
0: just clarify no. that. you're not a builder. No, that you work with people who want to build. That's right. To kind of be what somewhere in the middle? Talk us talk yeah. us through that.
2: So I say that I'm a building broker/slash new home specialist. So I liaise between my client and my builders. So I deal with about five, six builders. Um, they're offering, you know, either turnkey, custom builds, duplex builds, so a range of things that they offer. So it depends on what my clients' needs are, requirements, budget, as to which particular builder I believe would be suitable for them.
1: So, have your clients bought the block of land already, or are you helping them work out what block of land to buy and then what house to put on it?
2: A bit of both. So, some people come to me and already got the land and saying we want to build an investment, want to build their forever home on it. Or I have ten uh, K house of land packages that are ideal for investors or 1st time buyers, and so they're set on particular locks in particular states. Don't I don't actually own the land. It's just liaising with the actual salespeople who are selling the land and with my builders.
0: Yeah, so it's a bit of both. I'm really curious because we, we, this is something that we do talk about. Who pays for your expertise?
2: Yeah, so I have an admin fee of four ninety five that I charge my clients. That's just a, with all the running around with the build contracts and so forth, and then I'm paid by the builder. So I don't get anything off the land. It's paid by the builder at slab and frame. So that's why with weather and delays, it can be a little while. This so are unpaid.
0: <laughs> so it's a little bit of both. So the the client is paying you. What, what do you call it, an admin fee? And yep, then the builder who um, is awarded the work part of their their contract fee is um, is shared with you. Yes, that's right.
1: Yeah, so okay. it's a commission.
0: It's a commission at slab
1: and at, and at frame. So there's a lot of commissions, and I was going to ask you ah. some other questions first, but I think we should probably go down this path at the beginning of this chat. All right, there is a lot of commissions in the whole house and land package. Uh, thing right which is one of the reasons we are not fans there's lots of reasons we're not fans um, but one of the reasons is there's a lot of hidden um, kickbacks and fees that go under the ground if you like or under the surface that the buyer doesn't necessarily know about um, and therefore can be overpaying by quite a lot of money because they're unaware of all these kickbacks and, you know, it, it, there's a whole network of advisors, I know accountants recommend, mortgage brokers recommend house and land packages, um, financial advisors even uh, I've heard of, of recommending house and land packages and often, you know, they're, they're um, remunerated for doing so and often very large amounts of money as well. Um, and so can you just, I guess, put a spotlight on that for us, explain to us how it works. Because first home buyers, in particular, I'm just saying that that you know that would have no idea about this. I mean, most people would have no idea, but particularly first home buyers who've never gone down this path before, be just sitting ducks, right?
2: Yeah, I, and there is a lot of know uh, what the words you say, sharks out there, maybe who, um, <laughs> yep, sharks, yeah, yeah. Who, I think there's a few other terms we could probably come up with that aren't appropriate. That- <laughs> they do collect these large um, commissions, and I'm honest. I I do not collect that much. I always reduce my commission down. I actually have my builder saying you need to be charging more, but no, I want a house and land package to to actually go across the line. Um, because if you have these huge forty thousand dollars commissions on them, you're not going to evaluation is going to fall short. So yeah, there is definitely in that around the market, but I'm I'm just talking about myself. I'm honest. I will tell you exactly how much I'm paid by the builder and I am all for the client. Not and I want to get that a pass by the bank. I want to get a you know their house and loan package approved by the bank. And
1: there's no use having, you know, these huge commissions on it where I know the valuations are going to fall short. It's a great point because what then happens to somebody who has unwittingly gone and Gone and entered into a contract for a house and land package, not realizing that there's all these referral fees that are built into the price that they're paying. Um, and then the valuation comes short. I mean, you must have heard stories of what's yeah.
2: happened. I mean, it is quite common, though, for sort of valuations to fall short, especially in new estates where there's nothing that they can compare it to. And uh, do I need to go into the valuers' <laughs> so here's point of view? Um, but um yeah, so and so see that I suppose with the with the client they need to be they need to ask their broker or whoever they're going through, you know, are there any commissions? or what, how much are these? Um and to just see um if it does book for short valuations, then the money has to come from somewhere. I yeah. mean, I know that, you know, ten years ago there's a popular estate that's Cameron Park around uh, Newcastle that always came in at twenty thousand dollars. Um, you know, less with evaluation. So I had clients who had to put twenty thousand dollars on their credit cards. So that is so
0: hard to find. It is. You it put is. You hands in your pockets for every single penny that you've got. Sorry for the old terminology there, everybody. Uh, <laughs> and, and 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 there's nothing usually left. So credit cards is what some people are doing to get that across yep. the line. And as we'll talk <gasps> about
2: yeah I and also oh. we'll talk about
0: you know later
2: on that um, people putting their extras in building on credit cards as well so
1: yeah well let's get into that okay so let's just sort of put a line under that bit this bit of the chat where if you are being recommended by your broker or by somebody else who's saying you should go and buy this house and length package blah 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 the very first question you need to ask is are you getting paid? By the developer, the agent, the builder, anybody. Are you getting paid by anybody else in relation to this? And so I think yes. that that's a very important question.
0: It's that transparency in the process, isn't
2: it? Yeah, that's right. And if it's an investment as well, you need to do your research, you know, just don't be pushed into some particular area um, because you're being told to, to do some background <laughs> research.
1: Well, and this is a podcast for 1st home buyers but of course we do have some rent investors um, listening who are thinking that they want their first property to be an investment as opposed to living in it and there's a lot of misinformation out there um, in this space pitching brand new properties to investors and they use statistics in a way that is very, very misleading. A couple of things. First of all, um, depreciation. Right. Depreciation is something the government gives you some money back, um, you know, for losing money basically, um, when you own an investment property and or any investment. When you invest in anything, if you lose money, the government will give you some money back against your tax. And so what it means though is that the maximum amount of money that you get back is your highest tax rate. And the average Australian is paying, I think, thirty five cents in the dollar. And so that means you lose a dollar, you get thirty five cents back here automatically, sixty five cents out of pocket. So so I know there's an idea about that. Oh, but because it's brand new, you get all this depreciation, and that's not really money out of your pocket, but it is money out of your pocket, particularly if you're spent, if you're paying a huge commission for the property, you've already overpaid because it's brand new. So
0: this is scary stuff, right? And also, not not to mention that you actually have to pay it back at the end when you sell to.
1: One hundred percent. Yes, you do exactly <laughs> right. You have to pay it back. Most people don't know that. I know. It's so true. Yes so the bank is I mean sorry the government gives you one hand and takes back with the other. <laughs> it certainly does. So that's on the investment side but also the other thing there's a lot of misinformation
0: is this idea of a growth corridor. <laughs> that sounds like that one in Newcastle might have been perhaps advertised or marketed in that way was it Carrie ann can you remember something around that was it you know this high growth area well it definitely is now I just it's funny like 10 years ago people didn't want to go out that way at all
2: they thought oh my gosh 20 minutes from Newcastle from Tannell and that's too far away but now people are quite happy to travel 45 minutes away so yeah I think it's just perceptions people
1: perceptions change
2: but yeah you need to the yeah. point
0: being, Veronica, Let, yeah, <laughs> let's just
1: distinguish between what's growth. Growth yes. in terms of lots of new buildings being built, that's one type of growth. Growth in terms of the values of those properties going up is a very different type of growth. But the same word is used to in elude and suggest that they're gonna see price growth, but that doesn't always happen and certainly take, can take a long time to happen.
2: That's why you need someone like me who's honest and on the ground and has been around for a long time. <laughs>
0: Excellent. So, so actually,
2: on
1: yeah, go <laughs>
0: <laughs> on that point, falling over ourselves here, <laughs> we get very excited. <laughs> can you take us through some of the common additional costs that can catch people out during the process? Of building, yeah. Yeah.
2: So I suppose going back to the display builders, and I will put a caveat that my builders aren't the big display builders.
0: So when you say display builders, let's help everyone just kind of catch up on, you know, the different types of builders. So display builders...
2: They'll um, the big display homes in the big display um yeah middle
0: um So you might go to a village and you get to walk through and you get to feel what the houses are before and you. They actually They always build look it.
2: gorgeous. They look amazing. I love, you know, all the colours, all the furnishings. They yeah. look amazing. And this is what worries me. People go there and they get a price and they get their fifty 000 to sixty thousand discount or they get the luxury inclusions and they think, right, that's that's the price. This is the price I'm going to the bank with. But that's not right. It's not up like ninety percent of the right time. That is not the correct price.
0: Oh God, that must be so hard to deal with when you when you start to realize what's not in there.
2: Yeah. So the big builders can't afford to just just throw away fifty, sixty thousand dollars
1: each build. So you are going to be charged extra during the build. The whole idea of a sixty thousand dollars discount. I mean, what's the average? So to give us some context here, what would the be- average sort of what would be a normal expectation to pay for the property to be built would it be 300,000 400,000 oh then it could depends on what you're expecting actually in the build because
2: I like what is great for first-time buyers with me is turnkey so everything's included inside and out so that's right. you're looking around 400,000
0: so turnkey turnkey is very different to just just a normal build price different yeah. to lock up <laughs> they're very different yeah, to lock up yeah. isn't it so tell, tell us a bit more about turnkey.
2: Turnkey, virtually, turn the key in the front door, walk in and everything's done. So that's everything inside. So your blinds, your carpets, your tiles, dishwasher, obviously your oven, uh, all your lights, fans, aerial, power points, all done inside. Outside you have your driveway, you have your fencing, your landscaping, your clothesline and your um, letterbox. So it's all done.
0: Turn the key and go in.
2: So obviously, so um,
0: different to most build – I
2: know parts. you don't even get a driveway. It's so yes. about. <laughs> no blinds. <laughs> that's right. So I mean, that's why it's so great for first-time buyers because everything's done, and you don't have to worry about calling up a concrete when you moved in and there's mud and dirt everywhere all through your house. All done, you know, and you can change things afterwards. At least you're in everything's done. It's nice and secure, um, and you you know pull down the blinds, so you don't have to worry about the neighbours. Um so no sheets on the window. Yes, or um cardboard boxes, which I've seen. <laughs> but yeah, so you're looking around for a tanky for a four bedroom home, um, you know, meters, small, you know, standard size, is around about that four hundred thousand. So but then obviously some of these big builders, they're starting at two hundred thousand, two hundred and fifty thousand to people. I think it's wonderful. It sounds amazing. What a but deal. There's a lot of things. They strip a lot of things back. And
1: you are going to charge extra during the build. So it's a bit like getting a cheap, a budget airline, a budget flight, where you have to pay then extras to you pay for your yes, suits, for your legroom and all you that, you have to yes. pay for luggage, luggage, you have to pay for a meal. Like it's, it's like if I'm getting a discount and I guess also the idea, like, cause the reason I asked you what's the average sort of cost is because a $60,000 discount on a $400,000 build, that's a significant percentage. And so it's like, well, how can they How can they afford to give that much away for starters sure. without some serious cutting back of something? Or is it one of those things where, you know, it's a, one that little marketing trick, they put the price up 60 grand so that they can then tell you that you got a 60 grand discount when they take 60 grand off it. Well,
2: there's all these variables that can come into it. That's the thing. And that's where the clients are charged during the build. So- a major thing is your contour plan, so I don't know if you know what that is, but when you're buying a block of land, whether it's registered or um, unregistered, you get your plan and it has you know your dimensions, it has where your easements are, and then it'll have diagonal lines across it and that's your contour, it's the slope of the land. So obviously, people want as flat land as they can because yeah. that helps with um, building costs, but if your land is not registered, as in you're buying off the plan and, you know, your blocker lands a bit of dirt over there, mold of dirt over there, the salesperson says that's your land over there, that bit of dirt. And then when you come to register, as in the uh, the roads are in, your services are in, everything's done, it's all being ticked off by council, it's all approved by the land titles office, and the builder goes to start, oh no, your contour plan, your block of land is more sloping than what we originally thought. So it's going to cost this amount of money, $15,000 for a drop edge green. We need to drop the garage down and have a step up from the garage to the house. Because the driveway, when you do do the driveway, has to be at a certain level uh, to get approval by council. Um, we need to put in more retaining. I know you need to put do that retaining. A lot of the big builders will not do retaining. So they, they expect the clients to do retaining. So all of a sudden, you've got this approval for this house. And oh my god, I've got to go and find a landscaper now to do retaining walls because my builder won't start putting down the slab until the retaining wall's done because the block of land is more sloping than we originally thought. So that's a huge thing. Um, There's other things like that affect the actual approval process is the basics, the heating and cooling of the home. So the house has to achieve a certain rating to get the tick with the basics. So if um, that comes to... um, being submitted to council like oh no you haven't you're just got standard basics i put that in parentheses so you need a bigger uh, rain tech, you need a solar panels on your on your roof you need you know extra fans in your house well okay so there's an extra that's going to be an extra to the cost so and then you push fire um requirements so every block of land has a bal rating B A L rating Okay, well, it's come back from council, you've got a rating of 12.5, that's another $5,000 there please, because the house needs to have certain requirements to uh, pass this bushfire rating. So there's even things before we've even started, there's some of the things that you could be charged extra for, so you could be up for twenty thousand already, and you haven't even started. And these aren't uncommon things
1: either, are they? These are why I would imagine these things have come up quite often. They pop up a lot, yes. yeah. Like, and you talk about services, and that's that's the terminology people might not realise. It's like when you got these new subdivisions if the power and the water hasn't actually been taken to your block. Yes. Um, you know, you then might have to, depending on, you know, the, the setup, you might have to pay additional to get the services extended to wherever your
0: block is. So that's yeah, another and 10. that could run into sewerage and stormwater as well.
2: Yeah, you don't want to go anywhere near sewerage. Yeah, that's right. You don't want to build over sewerage. That's a big cost there. But if you've got a bandlax block, so a block behind another block, and you've got a driveway, and if your services are down the bottom of that driveway, to get those services up, you're up for $10,000 So at least. So, yeah, that's that's a big thing. And sometimes in the bill contract, it'll give you an allowance with the services. Okay, well, we're allowing 10 lineal metres for the electricity, for the water or, or whatever. Um, so if you're going over that allowance, then you'll charge
0: extra for that. And it's almost impossible for the first time. We, these contracts are huge, aren't they? These build contracts are huge. We've talked about off-plan purchasing contracts, but then when you go into that, the actual builder's contract, there is a lot in there and there is a lot that if you don't know what you don't know, you don't know what's missing because um, it's very easy to read something and go, oh, okay, that's included, but if you don't know the BASIC or or, or sewerage connections or what the limitations are, or how much the allowance is and what is reasonable, it's all well and good to say, well, there's a PC amount, you know, a provisional cost amount in a contract of X dollars. Oh, okay, well, that seems reasonable. Reasonable against what benchmark? Yeah. And, and that's the thing I think that, you know, I'm certainly really picking up for our listeners is with these types of arrangements, it's all well and good to say well, all of these things are included, but it's what you don't know that we're starting to hear from you can almost be the most costly part of this whole process, and can, yeah. can end up. You know, not many people have a twenty thousand dollar credit card when they're first time buyers because you've you've bought your limits down to, to be able to borrow the money. <laughs> what a
2: big thing too is hidden site costs because that's in your contract. Uh, if there's any hidden site costs, it's it's charged to to the owner. So a big thing is rock. I mean, I've seen rock.
1: Yes, little... oh, Veronica knows all about rock. Well, I, the opposite actually. I've ha- I've had a, a done a renovation where I had to get out a lot of rock that was a bit more than we expected. And I've also d- done a renovation where there wasn't rock where we thought rock would be, and so I had to pay to get twenty-two piers put in. So, so you know, it can go either way. But I think that this is the thing. Until you start digging, you've got no idea what whether you got rock or don't have rock. That's
2: right. That's right. I mean, you can get geotech, um, you know, uh, tests and all that. But they can't do every little, you know, square inch of the. Yeah, they the do. Block they do land. two
0: spots usually, don't they? Certainly in my renovation, they did two spots. That was actually a really interesting process to watch. Just as a buy on, if you're ever interested in this sort of stuff, <laughs> go and watch building building processes because they're. Absolutely fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so, yeah, so I've seen rock wheels up to 70,000 and it's not actually, you know, when they're digging uh, for the house, it's the pubs as well. When they're digging to put the drainage in, you can be charged for that. And it's actually getting rid of the rock as well. I mean, the worst noise in an estate is when you walk, or you drive in and you hear a rock breaker just going endlessly trying to break through the rock. And then, but you've got to get that on a. Tri- and you're seeing dollar signs. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: And if you can use it, and you build somehow, but in these these package builds, there's no there's no um, flexibility. Yeah. Oh, I can use rock instead of brick.
2: Yes. Well, sometimes too, you're not allowed to actually leave soil or rock on on your land as well with council requirements. But, and if you're building in an established street, so if you've got a block of land in a you know house, that's, you know row of houses that have been there for years and years, what's, yeah, what's in underneath that, the footings, like, is there asbestos in there, is there, they buried bricks, you know, and then they've got to, the builder's got to take that away and they've got to have a, a particular certificate to say that's clean Bills, so if it's asbestos, then costs go up and up.
1: It go up and up, don't they? Mm. <laughs> but I bought a, a house, the first house I actually bought some years ago now And it was actually a new, newly built 104 and I, you know, outside, and it used to be in an area that was, was all orchards. So the builder had actually taken away all the soil and sold it and replaced it with the, when I got the landscaping done, oh my God, what we found out there, it was basically full of rubbish. Like there was old saucepan buried in there. There was cassette tapes. There was all sorts of, you know, like kids Toys, bits of crockery. There was glass jars. There were, it literally had been taken out of a dumpster somewhere, <laughs> mixed in with a big chunk of clay and mud, basically. And that was basically what they had replaced what was good soil in our. So ba- he oh, sold off wow. the good soil and
2: replaced yeah. it. Yeah, with-
1: sold it with shit. Like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you know, strange things happen, but that—that's a long time ago, and that—I don't, don't think I've told that story before on this podcast. We've told lots of our stories yes. <laughs> in our early days before we knew they what still we know keep now. Keep coming out, <laughs> yeah. So tell us, tell us, um, Carrie Anne. One of the things I always think about—one of the reasons we talked about hidden costs and also the c- commissions that are they bolstering up the price you pay—and so therefore, there's you know our valuations potentially not coming in at the right level, et cetera. Et cetera. So there are a lot of risks around buying. Uh, you know, a new house and land package in a new suburb, particularly when you're talking about, like you said, over there, that's your block of land, but that the boundaries haven't been drawn up, it hasn't been submitted to the, you know, to the office of is it um the land titles office, so it hasn't been registered. That so that it's like you can buy land off the plan, which is sort of weird. Either well, there's land; it exists. You have to build it, but you do obviously have to subdivide it and put the services in and all the rest of it. But how do you know? whether or not that's going to be a nice development down the track. I mean, you're sort of assuming that all nice houses are going to be built. There's going to be nice gardens and trees. Everything's ripped out of these sites. It's like they're, they're, they're taken back to scorched earth, basically. How can, What little signs are there? Are there little signs? Are there pointers to say that actually this will be a nice development uh, or that will not be a nice development? You don't want to buy into that one because – you just don't know, and until they all start taking shape, particularly, and I've, I've seen complex uh, uh, suburbs where there's been so many investors buy in, and you can just tell no one gives a shit. that gardens aren't done, you know, like it's just a mess. And others where a lot of owner occupiers have bought in, and there's everyone's really big on the landscaping and really wanting to turn it into a lovely area.
2: Yeah, I think the main thing is to look at the master plan. Uh, in Newcastle, the developers are really protective of their estates, so they sort of won't let in a lot of investors. Um, so they're very particular what particular lots of investors can have. I must admit that. interesting. <laughs> I think that's um, unique to Newcastle. Um, but, yeah, definitely look at the Raster Plan because a lot of the newer estates, they have parks, they have shops, they have daycare centres. So, no, I, I don't believe that... Um, is any you know estate, especially around Newcastle, that you know look ugly, or that the developers do take care of what, what, with how the the picture of the actual estate will will look at will look like used down the track?
0: Can I can I just pick up on that because there's there's also other things that can be you know that can be nice things like these additional facilities and and the lifestyle aspects, but there can also be limitations placed on what you can and can't do in some of these estates, can't they? So. Um, whether that be a covenant. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about that?
2: Yeah, well, there was one estate in Westwell's End where the particular house had to be designed a certain way. They had to look like old miners' cottages. That um, but- They had to have the veranda out the front, uh, picket fence, although that seemed to change a little bit as time went on. It didn't have to be timber picket fence. It could be a steel fence or pool fence. Uh, so, yeah, so some estates do um, impose... Uh, restrictions are requirements and that's another thing to look out for with your price that you've got from your display builder is that all included in there um, but yeah there's certain colors that so they like the estate you to choose from for your bricks uh, and yeah how the actual house looks from the outside with the facade as well so they're trying to, to protect with this particular one in West Halls End they are trying to protect the heritage of the estate and um, yeah, so that it just had to be built a certain way if you wanted to build in there, you needed the front porch.
0: That can be good from an aesthetic point of view, can't it? Because there's some, some u- uniformity around it, but it can also really impact on costs if if that wasn't what you were planning. And, and, and there can be some limitations also. Uh, I know my parents, when they built in the, the 1990s down in northern New South Wales, they couldn't have a front fence. So that was a covenant of the estate that they they built it you know bought into and and when you know my brother and I had young children we we couldn't let them out the front to play because there wasn't any fence to keep them safe. so so these things can have both a positive and a, a negative impact. so it's so important to understand what they are and that they get passed on to the buyer when you sell that they're not yes. just for you when you build.
1: do you know? We buy some properties in the lower North Shore of Sydney and it's interesting because these these were all subdivisions back in like the 1920s and the 1930s and they've still got these covenants that insist that you have to have a tile roof and it has to be brick and you know there's certain things that obviously back then they, they wanted to preserve you know the the you know the um, I guess the socio-economic uh, what's it the, the makeup of the people the status of, of the the suburbs so yeah you couldn't have any timber homes because they're down, at, oh. you know, they're poor. All pe- <laughs> poor people have timber homes in Sydney. We'll have the um, Big flame saying, "Thank you." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but also in some um, newer states as well, they might have community facilities, and you might have ongoing costs, and that's something to be aware of as well. You might have to contribute to, but you know, a country club. I mean, I mean, maybe that's a high sort of sound, but. I know that there are some uh, estates where it's not a huge cost, but it is something that you need to factor in that you might be a couple of grand a year, for argument's sake, contributing to these, you know, some parklands or community grounds or whatever.
2: Yeah, not so much now. There, there, there was a couple uh, a few years ago, but not so much now Not in Newcastle area anyway, uh, especially not the estates that are recommended first-time buyers anyway at that price point. They, they don't have that fee, but yes, it has definitely been around that community fee.
1: Now, Kerry, ann obviously you are based in Newcastle and so you're very familiar with, with all that, but have you helped people in other states or in other areas? Are, you, are there big differences, do you think?
2: Uh, Well, with uh, Queensland, I have house and land packages, but not for first-time buyers, for investors. Uh, I love uh, Queensland with their estates, how they get all the shops done, they have the schools there, the daycare, and then they uh, sell the land where it seems to be a little bit different down this way. They sell the land and they're waiting for like 10 years for the tavern to be built or something. So, (laughs) yes. So that's basically the differences I've seen between the two
1: uh, estates. Yes. Important yeah. point, actually, because I know there are a lot of satellite suburbs and, and I've heard this anecdotally in, in Melbourne as well, that there's on the outskirts of Sydney and the outskirts of, of Newcastle, you're talking now, you're 20, 20 minutes out from town centre, you know, that's that's the outskirt in in, uh, in a regional centre. Uh, and and in Melbourne, it's apparently 100 kilometres from one side of the, the city to the other. You know, it, it just keeps going. Going, yeah. And that is, you know been a common problem that this no infrastructure at you know they build a suburb and then the infrastructure catches up later after all the people have had to move out there with three cars per family because they haven't had access to public transport or just schools or you know these things haven't necessarily materialized straight away and that has created a problem um, in terms of capital growth as well because until those things are established it's like no one's getting the benefit of buying brand new, you know, so why would I go out where I don't you know where it's hard to live there you got to travel everywhere by car? yeah, yeah, so that's interesting. Have you exp- i mean I guess we don't do house and
0: land packages, so therefore we're not that experienced, but did you were you aware of that in Queensland Megan? It- yeah, look it, it it tends to be that way, and particularly the master plan communities around springfield, springfield lakes, north lakes um. They really did put the infrastructure in quite well, and, and oh. but they were very, very, very. We're, we're not talking about a hundred or two hundred blocks of land. We're talking about thousands, thousands. of blocks of land. Yep. Um, so it was really about creating these centres um, that had employment opportunities and and, and attracting businesses to those centres that were outside of the the city area to to get people to move and work in different locations. So there was actually, you know, there've been um, highly and uh, strategically planned to move people away from the city, and to a large degree, that has worked. Um, and, and there are those employment opportunities. No, they are thriving communities. So, so that certainly has been something that has been done quite well in Queensland in a number of developments. Um, I'm not talking about those being successful from a capital growth perspective or from uh, anything other than. I guess, the strategic input that was done to think about these things and put the facilities in place before the people came or as the people were coming, so that people could actually see what life looked like. And the infrastructure that was put in place around um, transport as well was has been quite good in these big developments, um, probably not as familiar with any of the smaller developments, say under 200 two or 100 lots. I
1: think that's a good distinction too because certainly in Sydney there's been some large master plan communities on the outskirts that have been built and probably the same degree of planning and probably the same degree of success in terms of just the livability of them. Um, But certainly, you know, I think you've got to have a a scale, don't you? I mean, we're talking thousands of, of houses. Of course, there's the scale to fund all that infrastructure, it's these smaller suburbs necessarily that are being built that aren't necessarily being master planned by the Stocklands and the Lend Leases of the world and the Mervacs, you know, those huge developers. And um, I don't know, Fraser's in that space too, um, those big, big developers. And
0: so what, we're not necessarily talking about those, are we? I mean, those smaller developers. Uh, all those smaller subdivisions, smaller subdivisions, more more than the developers themselves, because they they certainly have some large land holdings that are being developed over time. But yeah, I, I think that's a thing, isn't it? It's it's if it's big enough, then you have the the capability to attract the businesses to be able to build the infrastructure, you know, the private schools, the the shops, the um the the centers that will bring businesses to that location. Because without those businesses, of course, those sorts of things aren't going to flourish. You you, you have to sort of Do both of those in in, um, tandem with each other. Bring the people who are going to spend the money, but bring the businesses that are going to provide the services. Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah. Do you find um, a lot of people would come to you and then their friends come to you as well because they're like, oh, we all want to live together? It's mainly that they're talking
2: to their friends at a barbecue and they're saying, you know, I, I want to build and they'll say, oh, we'll talk to Kerry. And no, I think mainly mine, especially with first-time buyers, it's driven by budget. Um, uh, And like I said, we um, where being, you know, 20, 40 minutes out of Newcastle now is not a problem where it was 10 years ago. So everyone's, you know, what they perceive to be a long travel period is not that much in me, especially because we've got a... Um, more roads like the expressway put in. So uh, to go up to the Hunter is not a problem anymore than how it was and going around all the other suburbs. But, no, it's mainly that they they talk to their friends but not to actually live together. It's more like in the same area. It's more um, driven by their budget.
1: Got it. So tell us, we ask all of our guests this question, Carrie um, What is the one thing that you know now that you wish you knew when you were a first home buyer?
2: Um... And the human costs—that would be the big thing. <laughs> Did you get caught out yourself? You, yeah,
0: tell us about it. There's something under that story. Yeah,
2: before we were for uh, my business, we built. Well, we built five times. We've never um, brought an existing home. We've always built. <laughs> love building. Love the smell of fresh paint. I just love it. Love, love, <laughs> love. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we were actually on a quite a sloping block of land, so we got caught out with the services, where the services were, um, that was a little bit extra. Um, let me just see, oh, rock. Rock? Yes, of course, we got caught out with rock on one of them. Um, our first, our first house land package was 100,000, you know, that's 28. Oh, those are the 29 days. 29 years wow. ago. Wow. So, yes. Um, so, um, and it was apricot, apricot walls and green, uh, carpet, so that's so good days. This was like the 80s.
1: You know, oh, that's so – yeah, so, isn't Peach isn't and grey. <laughs> Everything was peach and grey Was salt. Uh, right? Early 90s, yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: Glass no, bricks. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the big thing, I think, is people don't realise what extra costs will come about digging out from you – know, digging your block of land, you know, uh, your rock, your soil removal, your peering – if they come up against something, God forbid, if they, you know, it's near sewer, you need to build over sewer. So all those things. Actually, we did get caught out with sewer. One, yes, um, because sewer. If you're building over sewer, you need to
0: get more engineering in. You need to encase it. it needs to be strengthened. So, um, and different council authorities have different approaches to that, don't they? In terms of what sort of engineering solutions that you can. You, you need to have, and also how how close you can build to the sewer before you have to have those engineered solutions. Yes. so I, know, I have a sewer running through my block, and the design just sits nicely around that. Um, so I haven't had to build over it, but yeah. I've gone to within an inch of where I'm allowed to. Where to, you're, yeah, you yeah.
2: for it? Yes, yes. Yeah. So yeah, so hidden cost would be the main thing. Um, when the, when you start digging, I never realized when we first um, built all those years ago that uh, that could be extra money that the builder will be that we'll be asking for
0: what a collection of experiences you are and and really that's what an expert is is someone who has a collection of experiences and and can share and and intervene between the person who doesn't know what they don't know and the mistakes that you've come across that other people have made in the past and we we call your first time buyer guide um becoming an educated buyer and and certainly for anyone who's going down the path of looking at a house and land or or they've got a piece of land or they're knocking down a house and they're going to put a house on it, it, it certainly is about understanding what you don't know as well as understanding what's on the contract that you might be aware of so that you don't run into all of those extraordinary expenses and yes, start right. beg, borrowing and stealing, stealing mm. from, from anybody Dad, that you possibly yes. can just to get that thing finished. That's Miserable. right.
2: Yes. And I emotional, I know. yeah. Well, that's what I say. I take the stress out of it, and I'm honest. And um, I, I would tell you exactly, you know, your pricing, um, you know, and what problems you might come up against as well. So um, that's the thing with the display hunt. I think they sort of rush you through a bit and just quickly yeah. get you that price, and you moved on to the next person. You haven't even talked about color selections. Oh my gosh,
0: when you go to their color selection. And sometimes those are limited, aren't they? You you can have this, this, and this, or any colour as long as it's that one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you, you know, a lot of them don't include downlights.
2: You just get the baton. So, oh, you know, really? Pay extra. Oh, yeah. that's a lesson. Wow.
1: <laughs> oh you my have god. Have to pay for
2: downlights. Yeah. You don't get an aerial. You don't get an aerial. Pilot. You've got to pay for that. So, oh wow. <laughs> you oh. know, and it's not until these people go to the um, just you know, their colour selection. Appointment and, they, and, you know, they can be walking out with an extra $10,000 that they have to pay.
1: So uh. we're going to put a, a a download for this uh, episode of some of the tips that Carrie ann is sharing with us. Carrie ann would you add in a checklist of things to ask about? Yes, certainly. Excellent. Yeah. So oh, we'll, we'll make a sure if you want resource. that, go to the show notes and you'll be able to download Carrie anns uh, checklist of things to look for when you're buying brand new yeah. Monica,
0: I don't know about you, but this has been one of the episodes that I've learned the most out of because we don't we don't purchase for clients in this space. So I just haven't had exposure to it to hear some of this really um in depth information from somebody who ha- who is deeply exposed to it nice and, and working in this space. So thank you. I've I've learned a lot They're today.
2: Traveling. Yeah, I hope that helps someone. I hope that it helps first time buyer and just to ask a few more questions
1: when they get that build price. Excellent. Thank you so much, Carrie Ann. Um that was uh, very illuminating. I also have learnt heaps. So um and my mind is whirring with possibilities <laughs> here. So <laughs> we appreciate your
0: time. Thanks for Data coming problems. on. Thank you. In this episode, we've covered a very small part of our 10-step online course for 1st home buyers. If you would like to learn more about the process and how to buy without making a mistake, then head over to our website, www.homebuyeracademy.com.au. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss an episode. And if you like what you've heard today, please give us an iTunes review. Five stars would be wonderful. It will help others find us as well. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found this really useful.
1: And if you have, please share the love with others who you know are in the same boat. We'll be back next week with some more priceless stuff.